Welcome everyone. I'm Michaela. You may remember me from last week. I am bringing you the Bible reading again tonight. Um, a little bit about me. I've been around Sunnybank uh, since I was in year uh, eight, started coming to the youth group, and now I youth ministry lead. So that's fun. Um, with some of our, I see some friendly youth faces in the service, which is always nice. Uh, and I also am on the worship team when I'm not sick or asthmatic, so uh, if you're interested, like Tim said, then we'd love to have more people. Um, so tonight we are reading from Romans 12, uh, verses 1 to 8. So if you have a Bible with you, then um, flip to that and we'll read together. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, is God, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. That seems very echoey before I even spoke. Well, good evening, one and all. Thank you so much for being in church this evening. It's so good. Uh, to gather and to share around God's word, to sing praises together and uh, certainly to commission someone like Aaron. It, it, it's just so interesting. Aaron hasn't been with us for very long, but uh, we, we're, we're going to be doing this a bit. There's so many others who are training up in mission and stuff like that. You're like, oh, wow, so good to have Aaron with us. Uh, Bye-bye, Aaron. And it's sort of, it's sort of bittersweet, hey? Uh, and so she goes with our blessing and we can't wait to see what God does. But I suppose that attitude should drive us to prayer as well, um, to ask God to constantly bring these people to mind who are serving overseas and to continue to pray for them. Uh, it won't be too long, I suppose, before Rus and Riksmay are heading off too. So um, we, we will be commissioning a few people over the coming years. Obviously, we're getting into a new series this evening, and I'll be quite honest with you, I'm not happy with my message this evening. I didn't get uh, to spend the time on it that I would have liked to have, but, but we're moving into this series, which is about the one and other passages uh, in Scripture, and uh, you may not realise how, how often the term one another is actually used in Scripture, but uh, here's a few that I prepared earlier, and um, when, you, when you look at these, th this is nowhere near 
all of them. There's only 20-odd up there. So when you read through Scripture in the New Testament, there's over a hundred times that one another is actually mentioned. And out of that hundred times, um, there's about 59 of them, or there is 59 of them, sorry, that are specific commands on how we should relate to or treat each other within the church of Jesus Christ here uh, amongst his gathered people. One third of those commands are in how the church as believers relate to each other in this church context and specifically speaking to them about being united. So uh, that's really important, one third of them. One third of commands for us as believers to love one another. About 15% of them deal with the attitude of humility, submission and respect uh, that we should have in the church and towards each other once more. And the commands are are overwhelmingly positive in in a positive context. Um, But there are also some negative ones which we won't actually be covering in in this series, but it's possibly worth mentioning now. Um, So... uh, as I say, this one another term, when it's in Greek, it's actually one word, and when it's translated, it's translated as one another, or can also be translated as each other. So it's those two terms that are used in the English. So some of these negative commands are about how we are not to treat each other, uh, do not lie to one another, stop passing judgment on one another, stop biting and devouring each other, do not become conceited, provoking and envying each other, do not slander one another, don't grumble against each other. They're the negative ones that we do actually have in scripture. If anyone's interested in those, I can possibly email you the Bible passages that refer to those if you want to dig a little bit deeper. So when we pull everything together in the one another um, passages, what what it reflects on or what it calls us to is the focus of where we are as a church this year. We're talking about connecting, connecting with God, connecting with others as in us in the church and connecting with those outside as well. So when we think about that and with the message in this, it really does relate quite well, especially coming off the series uh, that we did with one John. And it should go without saying that our desire should be to obey each and every one of these. This is God's word. It's his command for us as believer. And God wants us to understand this, that we are members of one another. Let's pause and pray. Father God, I want to thank you that we can be here this evening. I want to thank you for the power of your word. And Lord, even in my inadequacy, you can take this word and use it for your glory. You can transform lives. And Lord, that's my desire this evening. You take this and use it to transform someone's someone's life tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're not actually doing a study on Romans, even though we read that passage out of Romans, but it's possibly very relevant when we look at what we're looking at tonight to understand what's actually been happening in Romans to get to the point that Paul speaks about right now. So all the way through the book of Romans, um, 
we see Paul in the first 11 chapters laying out the Christian doctrine or beliefs which every new believer has to have in the Lord Jesus Christ when they come to faith. And then as chapter 12 commences, the focus changes and he moves from what man is to believe about God to the duty that God then requires of men, those who believe in him. And this is what he requires of each and every believer. First and foremost, God's call for us is to humbly submit to him. And it's a humble submission to him and a submission to others as well. And I believe that as Paul begins this section in Romans, he's really calling our attitudes to the fore. Uh, it's like he's saying, you know, you can do this your way. You can say that you're a Christian, you can live the way you want, or you can do it God's way, which is the correct way. And so he's calling us to account here. And um, realistically, this starts with willing sacrifice. And we read that in this verse 1 where, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And here we have Paul appealing. In the NIV, it will tell you that uh, he is urging us. And it's basically Paul begging us to act in view of God's mercy. Just think about God's mercy there for a moment, will you? What greater mercy is there than that which God showed in the gift of Jesus Christ? What great mercy he showed to me, a sinner, when he called me to himself. His great Mercy in forgiving me all of my sins and not holding them against me. His great ongoing mercy in showering me with his grace, his love, his blessings and his forgiveness. God does all of that even when we're at our worst, even when we won't even acknowledge him. And it just proves the incredible God that he is. And so Paul is saying our response or our reasonable act in response to what God has done, this great mercy, is to offer ourselves fully to him. It is the only true act of spiritual worship towards him. Presenting ourselves as willing living sacrifices to be used by him for him, his purposes only. And he tells us, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so God's plan for us is one that is counter to the world. Uh, we are not to be conformed to the world. We're not, allowed the, we're not to allow the world to shape us. The world and our old way of life, what we used to do, um, will still have an influence upon us. It'll be knocking on our door constantly. And we have to make that choice to not be conformed by that. We must resist it and allow Jesus through the power of Holy Spirit to transform us on a daily basis. He transforms the way we think. He transforms our conduct. He transforms our values. And all of that happens through the renewal of our mind. It's about choosing him over what we desire and what we want. And again, that is our right spiritual act of worship because of God's great mercy upon us. And part of the renewing of our mind is about how we think of ourselves. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And already here, Paul is alluding to the gathered people and that's us, everyone amongst us. In preparing uh, for this message, I read a story about a guy called Charles Lawrence. Who knows who Charles Lawrence is? Oh, wow. Mm, that's shame on you. Shame on you. I didn't know who Charles Lawrence was either. So um, Charles Lawrence is the guy who made the engine for um, a guy called Charles Lindbergh for his aeroplane. Who knows Charles Lindbergh? You, you know Charles Lindbergh and you don't know Charles Lawrence? What's wrong with you? You know, when, when you think about it, it's an incredible thing that Charles Lawrence did in, in building this engine. It was, an, it was an amazing piece of equipment. And uh, after Lindbergh's record-setting flight, friends of Lawrence held this dinner to honour him for how he constructed this engine and the great feat in, in Lindbergh's flight. And at the dinner... He received all this attention. It was just lavished and poured out upon him, upon Charles Lawrence, that is. And he stood up and he said, this is nice. And I appreciate it very much. But who ever heard of Paul Rivers horse? Anyone? And it may seem a little bizarre to mention that, but this is the attitude that we should have within the church. There's some people who will be up front. There's some people who will receive recognition for the gifts and everything that they have. But Lawrence's comment here reflects the attitude that we should have. When we think about it, Lindbergh would never have got off the ground without Lawrence. Or maybe he would have and he wouldn't have got as far. But it wasn't only Lawrence. There were dozens of other people on the ground helping out. There was dozens of other people who would have helped him assemble that engine and cast the bits and pieces for that as well. And Lawrence was happy just to stay in the background. He was happy to not have the recognition. He had fulfilled his role. He had done his job. And this is how God wants us to function as believers. We need to appreciate that as we work together as one body, Christ is purifying each and every one of us. He desires that we will be presented to him as a pure bride, the church. He's gathered people, not individually. He died for the church. And yes, there's individuals involved in that, but his reason and purpose was always the church. In Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, just listen to what he says about the church. This is Jesus, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That's Jesus' vision for you and me, brothers and sisters. That's Jesus' vision for SDBC and the wider people of believers, the wider gathered believers. And if we want to be a part of that, we as a church have to function the way that he designed us to be. We have to submit to him. 
And we have to be those dozens of faithful servants who just do what we can do, working behind the scenes, not caring for the glory now. It is not about being recognized in the here and now. But we want to faithfully serve God so his church will be all, it wants, all he wants it to be, presented to him in glory and splendor without blemish, holy. And so this is a call for each and every one of us. Renew our minds. Rethink the way we do church. Rethink about how we serve. Rethink how we connect with each other. I'm not speaking out of turn when I say harmony and unity in the church is broken when people start thinking about themselves. When people start believing that they're better than someone else. When people start demanding their rights over the rights of the wider church. And we've seen it again and again in churches where things start to break down because people make such demands. And we're called to think soundly in regards to ourselves. And to work with the measure of faith that God has granted to us. It's a call for us not to think of ourselves being better than others. And it's important for us to value all the roles of the people that are working in the body. And I've got to tell you, I could name some people, but I won't. There, there are some people who are playing what would be considered fairly minor roles uh, in this church. People who would consider themselves to perhaps not be as educated, not as smart as the vast majority of people here, but they're faithfully serving God. And they're having this huge impact for the kingdom. Stuff that you guys have no idea about because you never hear about it. They're the ones that are going to be close to the throne. Because they are just doing what God has called them to do. They're using the gifts and the faith they have, little though they are, to bring honour and glory to God and honour and glory to the body of Christ. They are building up the bride so she will be presented wholly to him on that day. And in this renewal, with this attitude, which is really otherworldly, we'll be able to discern God's will. We will know what he wants us to do. We'll understand what he calls good, acceptable and perfect. And God's plan has always been about his church. Again, I might be talking out of school if I say some people really struggle with the church. Some people have a big problem with the stuff that happens in church, they focus on the sins, they focus on the failures, they focus on what appears to be a lack of care and concern. Nine times out of ten, they're focusing on something which is a myth anyway, something that's been created in their own mind or they've heard one side of a story. And trust me, I know I've been kicked out of a church. But that's not God because that's not God's plan for the church. And I know that. And so... When we look at scripture, again, Jesus died for the church. How can you rubbish the church if Jesus died for the church? And he wants to present the church to himself. And we're told in scripture in many places that Christ will build his church. If the church doesn't function as it should in a particular location, I don't believe that's going to affect him. 
I don't believe he's going to sit in the corner rocking backwards and forwards and feels like he's a failure. He's just going to continue the work elsewhere. He will build his church. He always has, always will. And Jesus loves the church. He gave himself up for the church. For as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of it. When we read the word church in the New Testament, I think we've come to an age now where when we think about the church, we're thinking about walls and ceilings and stuff like that. And I've highly offended people when I've said, I don't care if this building burns down. And that's true and it's not true. Uh, I do care because obviously we're going to lose something which is great. But that ain't the church. It's a building. And if it were to burn down, we would still have a church service next Sunday. Because we are the church. And we are the most important thing that is on this location. Not these buildings. And so... When we read church in the New Testament, it is ecclesia. It is speaking about a people gathered, uh, his congregation. And um, Paul wants each and every believer to get this. He wants them to understand that the true Christian faith is something that cannot be done in isolation. All of these things are speaking about the church gathered. God knows that it's going to create some interesting dynamics within the church. But he says, regardless of that, you're one body. And everyone that is there at SDBC right now is there for a reason. I've placed them there. And as long as they function, as long as they do what I call them to do, they're going to contribute to the body. You, with your gifts, talents and abilities, are certainly individual. And some of you are just freaks like me. And we put some people's teeth on edge. And that's okay. That's who you are. We're not here to offend. We're not here to upset. But there's those dynamics that occur. And we were made the way we are by God to be part of something much bigger. We are a people of God. Established by him as a holy nation. And we don't seem to think get that. We're a holy nation created for his own possession. And the church is God's destiny for mankind while on earth. Do you get that? Because that's his plan and purpose for us. That we'll be gathered. We'll be his ecclesia. We will come together. And in reality, you're either part of that or you're not. And if you're not a part of that, what is your ultimate destiny? If you don't believe in the church of God, think again about the bride and what was said about that, the bride of Christ. We are individually members one of another and a body doesn't function very well unless all those members are connected. Uh, I used to play indoor cricket. Um, I was an A-grade player. My first game was actually at the Gabba, even though I lived in uh, Bundaberg. Um, I, I did so well in that game that I was asked to stay and play with that team. Uh, unfortunately, I had to go back to Bundaberg, so I played A-grade in Bundaberg. I had this knack of knowing where the ball was going when it came off the net, so I took spectacular catches. I used to have this fan club. It was my heyday. Yeah, it's all gone now. And, and, but the thing was, there was one night I used to feel very close to the batter, uh, very close, and people thought I was stark raving mad. But it was really cool. I, I never 
uh, got hit until one night and uh, I got hit in the head really hard. This guy slammed it. I got lifted clean off my feet and laid out on the ground and uh, me being the young, fit person I was, jumped up. was like, yeah, yeah, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. It's all good. I said, are you sure? My face was out here. I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. No problems whatsoever. And um, then I, I didn't feel as close as I normally did. I was sort of a bit back from the batter. And they said, I was actually fielding there, and the guy hit the ball. It actually bounced off the net, went up the back. A guy caught it and threw it at the stumps, and then I went. I had a concussion. My brain was not connecting with my body. And so the movement was just way too slow. And they went, Charlie. You're off, mate. Come on. They took me to the hospital, and yes, I had a concussion. But it's just an illustration of what happens if the body doesn't work together. As far as I was concerned, I did everything right. But man, I was so slow, they knew I was in trouble. And uh, to be honest, I could never go back to batting in that position after that. I flinched. Uh, sorry, fielding in that position. I flinched every time someone hit a ball after that. So I ended up, I quit. So. But what do we do as a people of God? We are told that we speak the truth in love to each other. We had to grow up in every way. Grow up in every way. Into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, not like with a concussion. Makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. This is talking about us gathered as a people. And Paul is basically saying here, we are connected to each other. We are here to serve each other. We should know each other in such a way that we can care for each other. So when you aren't functioning as you should, when you aren't following Christ as you should, we can come alongside, we can encourage you, we can build you up, we can get you back on track. That's what the body should do. We don't stand on the other side of the church and throw rocks at the ones who aren't living up to our standards. If anything, we are the ones who cover them and shield them from the rocks being thrown. We never look down on someone unless we're doing so to lift them up. The body, the church, is put together by God. He knows you and he has placed you here for a specific purpose. You are here to do something that's going to benefit the entire body. And you may not think it's a significant thing, but it's going to benefit the entire body. And friends, when you are faithful with that small task, when you're faithful with that little bit, God gives you more. And it's in exercising our faith, in being obedient to him, that our faith grows. And no part of the body can live for itself. Can't sever an arm off and throw it in the corner and hope it's going to survive. Doesn't work. It only remains healthy when it's connected to the body. When it works towards the health of the whole body. And it's the same for us. We are nothing in the Christian faith without the whole. Let, remind you, let me remind you of um, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and perfect and acceptable. The world admires those who are independent, who are strong, 
who can do it themselves, the self-made man or woman. They're celebrated. They're the heroes of our times. And so what we talked about tonight is counter to that. We're not, go, we're not to be like the world. We're not to be those people who head out on their own and accomplish so much. That is not God's way. It is true that we are called to be responsible and accountable for the decisions about our individual faith, whether we follow Jesus or not, whether we have a personal quiet time with him or not. But in Galatians 6 2, we're also called to bear one another's burdens. We're called to strengthen each other in the faith. We're called to stand together and acknowledge not only our need of each other, but that being together is God's design. It is his plan. It's about being members one of one another, sorry, as we've read here in Romans 12.5 tonight. But we're also called to be devoted to one another, to honour one another, to be of the same mind as one another, to accept one another, to admonish one another, to greet one another. And when you think about the one another statements all tied together, in reality, they point to 1 Corinthians, don't they? The passage on love, overused and abused. But that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the love that we share in the church. And uh, Pastor Darrell pulled out some brilliant quotes on this this morning. Love is the thing which if a church has it, it doesn't really need much else. If it doesn't have it, whatever else it does have, doesn't really matter much it's so true if we don't have the love we don't appear any different to any other organization in the world we might as well just go and play bowls on a sunday night no offense to people who play bowls sorry and friends we do not love because people are lovable We love because he loves. And his love's unconditional. He loves me. And in reality, tonight may be a wake-up call for some of you. This series may be a wake-up call. And the question is, how do you respond to this? How will you respond? Because my response to God and his call upon me impacts my relationship with others. And my relationship with others, my response to them, affects my relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this message this evening. I thank you for the power of your word. And Lord, I have to trust that you by Holy Spirit will move in people's lives tonight. Lord, I ask, if you can, by power of Holy Spirit, you'll prompt people to come forward for prayer if they need to do business with you, Lord, that we can pray for them and celebrate with the angels in glory as they realize their desperate need of you. But Father, as these conversations start now, I just pray you'll be the center of it. I pray we'll grow in faith. I pray we'll grow in dependence on each other. And I pray we'll realize... This isn't about me, this is about us. 
and you put us here. Members of one another. So we can serve you as you intended. Take us and use each of us, Lord, for your glory and purposes, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you one and all. Uh, I will put the questions out. Um, see if we can break up into some smaller groups. We're starting to get pretty big groups. See if you can break up into smaller groups. I'm not going to come around with a cane and beat you up if you're in a big group, but you'll possibly get to talk more if you're in smaller groups. We'll be doing hot chocolates at 7 o'clock, so please don't go up there until 7 o'clock. If you've got any questions please, that you want to ask me, please feel free to do so. And uh, I'm more than happy to uh, pray with anyone who feels they, should, they need to be prayed for too. Bless you guys. Thank you.